Support for this podcast comes from Hired. Hired empowers connections by matching the world's most innovative companies with the most ambitious tech and sales candidates. With Hired, companies can see what candidates want up front with visibility into competing offers and recruiting metrics. Hired's unique offering includes hired assessments and diversity goals, a feature to more easily discover qualified, underrepresented candidates. By combining technology and the human touch, Hired's goal is to provide transparency in the recruitment process and to empower each of their partners to employ their potential and keep their talent pipeline full. To learn more about how Hired can help you find your next great hire, go to Hired.com slash Recruiting Future. That's Hired.com slash Recruiting Future. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 478 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Talent intelligence is on the rise, with an increasing number of TA teams putting data at the core of their strategy. However, do employers genuinely understand the full potential of TI? How do you get started? And what's the business case for building a specialist resource? My guest this week is Toby Colshaw. Talent Intelligence Leader at Worldwide Amazon Stores. Toby is one of the global pioneers of talent intelligence, having built TI teams at Philips and Amazon. He's also recently released his first book, Talent Intelligence, Use Business and People Data to Drive Organisational Performance. Suffice to say, this is a must-listen interview for anyone who wants to know more about the development of talent intelligence. Hi, Toby, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please, could you just introduce yourself and tell everyone what you do? Yeah, so Toby Colshaw, I lead talent intelligence at Worldwide Amazon Stores, which is essentially uh, the Amazon business that we all know and love, Amazon.com, and all the the, the mechanisms to get that to your door. So the, the airline business, the robotics, the warehousing, logistics, um, and then right through to uh, everything associated with the retail business and anything we're going to buy from us, that, that's the world I, uh, I inhabit and uh, cover talent intelligence for. Fantastic. So you've been a big figure in talent intelligence for quite some time. You've written a book on it, which we'll talk about. For people who aren't fully familiar with the concept, tell us what talent intelligence is and where it's come from and how it's developed. Yeah. So the the definition is still somewhat fuzzy of talent intelligence uh, and um, there's a few different variations going out there which was one of the triggers uh, that's for me to write the book um, and I kind of cobbled one together from various different sources and essentially it's, it's the augmentation of internal and external people data and then you're applying some kind of technology or science insights intelligence to it to then help drive business decisions and business outcomes. Generally, you're going to be looking at things like the people, the skills, jobs, functions, competitors, geographies, that sort of thing. But it's essentially essentially looking at labor market data to help the business, make the business have better better decisions uh, and de-risk the decisions they're making. 
that's relatively new in its current guise. The, the reason being, historically, and there's, there's a couple of different guises to it, and we can talk through the differences there as well. But um, uh, historically, the platforms uh, from a tech side were very raw data driven. So um, if you go back 10, 15 years, you had to be fairly data savvy to be able to get these data sets and make sense of it. Um, and you're basically looking at being a business analyst or a, a business intel engineer or, or an economist, etc. It was quite hard from a user interface. So the, the, the stickiness and the pickup was slow. Roll through another 10 years and suddenly we had this next generation of labor market intelligence platforms. And that really lowered the bar in terms of bar barrier to entry because uh, the user interface was so much easier. And they were doing a lot of that heavy lifting, ha ha heavy work of, of the analysis uh, on their end. And that's really exploded things. You suddenly have platforms like MZ or Drop or Talent Neural, Stratagems, Horsefly, um, LinkedIn Talent Insights, obviously a big one for the masses. You know, there's, there's a lot of these visualization tools and aggregation tools that are suddenly making it far more approachable and far, far more digestible. And then you had COVID kicking in and the, the, the surge in the economy um, through that period, which, which then as a concept really drove talent intelligence in a much, much more aggressive way. Um, you suddenly saw it becoming a business priority. So historically, a lot of TI teams were formed within talent acquisition, and they were essentially sourcing intelligence on steroids. Uh, essentially, some some bits would t tend more towards exec research, but generally, you're looking at that kind of sourcing intelligence piece ramped up a little bit. Through that COVID period, you saw a lot of teams pivot and say, well, actually, we can't affect uh, the business enough by purely working at the requisition end of this, this uh, journey. We have to get upstream. We have to get earlier into this decision phase and affect the strategy and the decisions so that we can actually make our lives easier downstream at a TA level. So through that period, you're seeing a lot of teams starting to pivot uh, and move further um, upstream and, and earlier in that decision cycle. And I suppose to dig into that just a little bit more, talk us through the business value that it creates. What type of decisions does it help with? What are the the outcomes and the results that an employer would get from investing in talent intelligence? Yeah, great question. So the, the offerings are somewhat similar from most teams. You're, you're essentially going to have a core around location strategy. Obviously, location is becoming somewhat location agnostic, but at the same time, you do have uh, location hotspots for talent. So location strategy is very, really big for most teams. You're looking at, on average, about 60 to 70% of most teams' work is around location in some way, shape, or form. Uh, competitor intelligence, competitor insights, talent flow analytics, so understanding who's going where and why they're going there. Uh, D&I intelligence is a really big thing in all its, its forms and guises. Um, talent sentiment and, and what people are saying, why they're saying, what's the perception of you as a, as a brand, as an organization, how's that landing in the marketplace? Really hot. We're doing a lot of work with around future intelligence. So looking to the to five years plus out, what are the big trends that are going to impact us as a, as a workforce that we need to start addressing ahead of time? And then I, I'm seeing much more so developing around uh, recruitment marketing, recruitment marketing intelligence and persona insights, uh, and, and obviously the, the actual spend and go-to-market campaigns, et cetera, as well. So that, that, that's ramping up. Um, and then you have some teams that are cutting right into uh, strategy and, and M&A and working with those teams to say, well, actually, if we're looking to, to land and expand this company or buy this company and expand it aggressively, is that even feasible? Is that possible? Are we about to buy a company that 
we can't expand because the skill set isn't in the market or the location isn't correct for that or the, the leadership team has got a toxic reputation so we're going to really struggle to hire the people in to, to expand in the way you want to do. Um, so I think, I think depending on the maturity of the function, you're seeing a different, slightly different uh, product offering essentially uh, and who their customer base is internally. But by, by and large, it's anything to do with that external labor market data and then what are your key drivers as an organization? What are you trying to achieve as an organization? And what's going to stop you from getting there? You know, if you ask any C-suite, what's your big, biggest asset? It's, every time, it's your people. If you say to them, what's the biggest risk for the future? It's not having access to the right talent. It, it's bringing that, that talent data to that decision point to say, okay, well, where are we trying to get to in the future? What's, what's the risks we're exposed to and how do we mitigate those risks? And you, you mentioned that it was a function that perhaps a traditionally grown out of talent acquisition in the last few years where do you think does it does it naturally sit somewhere within 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 the business is it within talent acquisition is it is it somewhere else or does that sort of depend on the the employer and and, and their sort of priorities yeah it's a good, great question and I, I think honestly there's a few there's a few directions this could go and, and this is one of the elements we discussed in the, in the, the book in the final chapter is uh the end future state I think in terms of where the current state teams sit, current state, you, you see a lot of teams, I'd say within TA, some within exec recruiting, for two different reasons. TA, generally, you've got the pain point, you're feeling it on the ground, um, you've got the volume, so you're, you're using labor market data to, to try and mitigate that, to try and solve some of those problems you're feeling on a, on a short term. Exec research, you find it gets tied into there because they've generally got the relationships with the senior leadership team. So those decision points, whether it's competitor analysis, whether it's strategic guidance, et cetera, they've got the essentially the route to customer, that route to market, because they've got those relationships with the senior leaders. Interestingly, on the, the Talent Intel Collective's benchmarking survey last year, uh, although just over 70% of all, all TI teams sat within talent acquisition, over 80% thought that was the wrong function to be sat with them uh, and they they wanted to pivot out where they wanted to pivot to varied massively you had some teams wanting to sit within hr uh, analytics people analytics you had some teams wanting to sit directly up into the c-suite you had some wanting to sit within ops or within strategy so a huge variance within there uh, but when i when i look to the future i think there's there's a few directions the function could develop i, I think there's the overall merging of people analytics hr analytics and, and josh burson released something recently and was talking about this also where you, you essentially see a combination of hr analytics people analytics talent acquisition analytics talent management analytics talent intelligence all into this workforce intelligence type function i, I think you actually refer to it as the talent intelligence function um, I, I think it would probably be a more accurate to say the workforce intelligence function as one centralized hr science team essentially i think Personally, that, that, that is probably the most likely route it will go. But I, I actually think the more interesting route is to say, well, actually, if we look at Intel as the offering, and it just happens that our Intel offering is, is aimed towards uh, labor market and talent, you get some really interesting situations when you start merging talent intelligence work with, say, marketing intelligence or business intelligence or strategic intelligence, when you when you look at it as a centralized intelligence function and you didn't then have the sub-specializations within, you then look at competitor intelligence, for example, in a very different way. You know, you've got the marketing intel guys looking at the share of the market, the share of the wallet, the product offerings, et cetera. But then from a TI perspective, you can start looking at, okay, how are these companies pivoting? How are they changing their hiring needs? How is that an early predictor for what that company might be doing in the future and how can that affect our, our market share or share of wallet? 
Um, I think you can start doing some really interesting things when you start combining Intel functions across. So uh, that's another route, is a centralized intelligence function. And then the, the third possibility, I think, could also happen slightly more optim optimistic in my mind, but I am incredibly biased. I, I could see a time where you have a talent intelligence function akin to a marketing intelligence function in a marketing org. Uh, you know, big, big Intel function that supports both at the strategic and the operational level. And I could see TI being a whole COE in of itself within organizations where you have a talent management, talent acquisition, and talent intelligence. And it's a whole separate COE that, that's there to um, bring that, that science edge to the, the, the rest of the, the HR function and really be a COE in of itself. One of the things that I've noticed certainly over the last 12 months is lots more employers, heads of talent acquisition are talking about talent intelligence. So I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago. I saw sort of five or six presentations from global heads of talent acquisition. I think probably three or four of them mentioned talent intelligence as part of their strategy. So we're obviously seeing kind of, you know, raising awareness and more adoption and all those kind of things. In your book, you outline a kind of a maturity model, a path that the companies can sort of take with this or have taken with this. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I, I think is, before I, I will cover that. I'm not going to be a politician and dodge it. I will cover that. I think the other thing to note, though, is you see a lot of talent intelligence jobs advertised and a lot of people pushing talent intelligence. And when you dig into what it is, in my mind, it's essentially sourcing. It, it's Empress New Clothes. You know, we, we're calling it talent intelligence because it's a trendy thing to call it and it's hot hot topic etc when you actually look at the key responsibilities and roles you're seeing a lot of roles that are talent intelligence by name but the the job responsibilities are driving talent pipelines or um, creating long lists or, or, or doing talent mapping that's all valuable work and, and it's incredibly important work in my mind that's close that that's sourcing intelligence i think the the pure purist in me for the TI side of things, it, it's more around how we're using that in, Intel to drive a business decision and a business impact. And I, I think that also does tie in the, into the maturity model though, where you're seeing a lot of teams initially starting up these SI type roles and the, the, the sourcing type roles that are uh, TI by name. But then as the people are starting to, to get into those roles and looking to develop, you, you do see the, the actual TI capabilities start start developing throughout. So initially, it might be an individual. And in the book, I talk around the jack of all trades. You know, at first, you're just trying to do anything. You're, you're trying to, you're getting demand all over the place. As soon as you start to do, do anything from a, a labor market perspective, uh, the business will snap it up and because they haven't had this before. So it's super exciting. Um, and, and I think you'll, you'll you see this kind of initial scrappiness when you're a talent intelligence provider just delivering the work but it, you're trying to get across everything and then as you as you develop and as the, the offering develops and matures you, you end up going kind of good through the problem solving through insight generation and you, what you really want to be is that ti trusted advisor and, and you're really kind of working with the senior leaders as a trusted advisor um to to, to really try, drive business transformation business change i think there's some parallels also with HR analytics and maturity model. You know, you have a lot of uh, in HR analytics, the, the, the core kind of maturity curve is you have manual reporting and automated reporting and dashboarding and forecasting, prediction, etc. I, I think there are some some elements there that, that run across and you do see that run through into, into TI. Um, I think the big difference, though, is that HR analytics generally will go through that curve and look to have self-service as one of, one of the core items. So you're hitting at scale on the self-service piece. Um, and then 
as an aside, they're developing the consulting offerings to have more, more specialist deep dive. I think TI is generally moving in the opposite of that. So that yes, we have some tooling, but most TI functions don't really want to push self-service as an offering because the data is so much more contextual. You know, if you look look at location feasibility, yes, you might have the demand, supply, the the, the comp data, etc. The reality could be you, the location might be the wrong side of a toll road. It might be that the location has really bad restaurants nearby. It might have a really terrible infrastructure and no bus stops or train stations. That that sort of information is really hard to get into a, an automated self-service dashboard. So that human element, that human contextual element is really, really important. Uh, and so, yeah, the maturity curve, I think, is slightly different within within TI where, you yes, you have some element of self-servicing, but just to scale and to, to make it uh, you know accessible for many. But the highly consultative nature, that trusted advisor relationship, that I think that that's really going to be where a lot of teams focus their time and energy. It, it's to really build out that relationship and build, build out the uh, trusted advisor model. You mentioned that the, the the technology and the resources available have changed dramatically and have really sort of driven the development of talent intelligence. And, you know, you don't necessarily need to be a data scientist or an economist to be able to do this anymore. What skills do you need, though, if you were advising a, a head of talent acquisition, for example, on how they might develop a TI function? What kind of skills do you need to, to do that effectively? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Uh, and I think there's probably two two different elements with this overall. There, there's going to be some hardens or skills that you're going to need across. Um, and and you, you see that a lot with the, uh, once again, with the, the, when we did the benchmarking study, there were teams that had certain skill sets they wanted to, to push. And, you know, initially it was data visualization and predictive analytics, data analytics, strategic consulting, data engineering, that, that sort of stuff. Um, and st- skills they wanted to remove. And, and you know, there, there's, equally ironically, there were some bits around sourcing, there were some bits around workforce planning, ironically, some bits around data engineering, et cetera. I think the, the key for me, though, is more the, the technical skills, the hard skills you can train. Like I, I have no no issues around that. The, the platforms are relatively straightforward. You have to have a data appreciation. You have to be comfortable with data because wherever you go within the TI world, there is going to be data. So people have to be comfortable with data, comfortable playing with it, but you don't have to be data scientists. You, you just don't. You just have to understand what you're looking at. I think the core thing for me would be kind of the softer skills around things like problem solving, critical thinking, having creativity and innovation at, at your heart. But there's a lot of this stuff is very new and there isn't a well-trodden path you're finding a new route you're creating new routes so being having that innovative thought process um tying in with that dealing with ambiguity you know it's, it's a very messy world out there from a ti perspective your, your business leaders don't necessarily know what questions they're going to be asking for um they don't really know the problem statements they don't really know the data sources that are going to be available you may not know what data source is available if you're going into new markets it there isn't a well-trodden path for this so really under being to, to work in that um, ambiguous space is really, really, really key. And, th- and then I think also, the for me personally, I think thinking big is really, really key. And that's a, an Amazonian piece. But it, being able to look at the work you're doing and saying, this is great, but how do I turn this project, this one-off project, into an ongoing program of work? Or how do I scale this so that rather than doing this work 10 times over for 10 different stakeholders, how do I build this into one program that, that's going to address all their needs on an ongoing basis. So looking for those those mechanisms to try and solve future problems and get ahead of yourself rather than just solve them for today, 
I think, honestly, the two biggest ones are proactivity and passion. Arguably, some of the hardest to interview against, so it doesn't really help anyone, so apologies for that. But I, I think proactivity is really vital in the, the state of maturity TIs in. You have to be hungry. You have to push. Your stakeholders aren't going to necessarily know what this is, so you're going to have to be pushing with them. Your uh, external uh, or your broader customer base, if you're in TA, you might want to work with the business. They're not going to necessarily open the door for you immediately. You have to be proactive. You have to get out there. You have to push this stuff. You have to write papers that no one's asked for just to show the capabilities and the, the possibilities within TI. You have to really be be very proactive and own, own your space and just run with it. And equally, you have to have a passion. You know, There is no... There's no one writing kind of set plays for this, you know, the odd paper here or there. Uh, people have to have to find their feet. They have to find their direction with this work. So you have to be passionate about it. You know, there's no no one's going to give you a, sta- a standalone TI team out of, out of the box and say, here you go, go with it. You know, you, ha- you have to be passionate and really fight for it. So looking to the future, you, you've already talked about sort of structurally how TI might work in organizations moving forward and what some of the, the possibilities and the options are. In terms of what intelligence might be able to deliver for businesses, things that it can't do now, what are you what are you looking forward to be able to do in the future? Do you know what some some of it I think is going to be relatively straightforward, um, but exciting. So I think at the moment most mo- most organisations have a fairly decent handle on their internal data, and they're getting a better handle on the external data. It's still messy. You know, there's still lots of data points that are confusing and taxonomies that are confusing. And, you know, the overall TI landscape is still, is still you know, hard to unpick sometimes. But it's getting better. You know, they're getting data sets, they're getting data points. It's starting to work together. I think short term, what I'm most excited about is bringing the internal and external much closer together from a data perspective. So, for example, if you're seeing your, your employer brand or your sentiment data is terrible in a certain location, how does that compare with your internal employee engagement scores? How does that compare with your uh, talent acquisition metrics? How, how are the funnel conversions happening through that, that location? What's the referral rate looking like in that location? Is that increasing your cost per hire because the toxic brand externally is meaning you're not getting applications. The toxic management means you're not getting uh, any, any referrals coming in, so you have to go to agencies, so your cost per hire is going up. So suddenly you're going for looking at things much more holistically or with your attrition rate spiking because your 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 brand is terrible and, and everyone's leaving and, and there's no one coming back in because so you, you've got this huge attrition issue which means your recruitment process is slowing down because there's anyone to do the interviews etc cetera, etc cetera. like combining the internal data sets with the external into a holistic view i think super exciting and i think that's going to give us some very different perspectives tied tied into that also i think is using that that human capital data in with business facing data. So um, mentioned the marketing in- intelligence earlier and tying in with those, those other functions to say, okay, what are you trying to achieve at an organizational level? And how, how does this work together? I, th- I think overall, when I look to the future of the function, I'm super excited where it's going. But I think that's that's also the, um, the, the point where I'm thinking, we, we have a, a moment in history at the moment where we get to control the evolution of talent intelligence. There's very few functions where you get that moment in history. To, to really set the, the standard of what this function could be. And I think we're at that moment in time now. I think we're, we're at a moment where we can look at TI and say, well, do we want to be sourcing intelligence? Do we only want to support TA? Do we want to tie in with strategic workforce planning and, and really give that the, 
external lens and the external firepower to look much more strategically for the future. Do we want to be a, a strategic function tying in with strategy and M&A um, or, or real estate and global strategy, etc.? We're at that moment in time where we get to control that. We get to control that narrative and build for the future. I think it's important we take that because if, if we don't, either it won't happen and you'll see TI revert back and almost pull within its shell and become much more towards sourcing intelligence again, and particularly you know tough economic times at the moment. As that market switches back on and companies are super aggressive in hiring again, it, it would be very easy for TI to, to retract back and go into sourcing intelligence mode because you have to get those hires. You have to get that, that, that those names generated. How are we going to find those candidates? So I think it'd be very easy to get to pull back into that SI world, which as I say, it's still very super important. I think it's a really important function. I don't think it's necessarily where TI should be heading. Um, so I think we're at a, an interesting crossroads at the moment. And I think the overlay also, you know, before we, we jumped on, online, we, we were talking about kind of different work methodologies. We've got things like the metaverse kicking in. And I think with that comes a whole different type of TI and a whole different type of um, labor market intelligence and strategic workforce planning. Are, are you looking at individuals? Are you looking at skill sets? Are you looking at units of labor? Are you looking at uh, RPA and outsourcing or offshoring? Like, all those types of models and that creative way of thinking about work and how work is done. I think we're at a prime crossroads to, to help with that for the business. Final question. Tell us about the book. What's it called? Who's it? Who's it written for? And where can people find it? Yeah, so it's fairly straightforward name, Talent Intelligence. And then the subtitle, Using Business and People Data to Drive Organizational Performance. You can buy it usual suspect places really uh, so amazon uh, obviously google page website uh, anywhere you buy a book should hopefully be available um it's really uh, aimed at people that want to set this stuff up and set a good foundation some of the elements of it we get into slightly more advanced ti type work but but really it's aimed at people that are saying i want to set this up i don't really know what it is i don't really know who to ask i don't know what, what what's out there to read so th- this will give you that really good foundation in place of this is what a TI function is. This is where it came from. This is how you set it up. These are the systems, processes, tools to look at. This is the structure. These are the sorts of things you need to think about in terms of if you're doing a, an intake meeting, what, what could that form look like? What sort of questions should you be thinking about? Right through to the maturity curve and the sorts of skills uh, to, to have within the function. What sort of career path you could expect within the function, um, et cetera. So hopefully you should give a really good foundation, whether it's somebody within talent acquisition, whether it's somebody within HR, um, whether it's somebody within the business that's thinking, actually, I need a better handle on my human capital in- intel here. Um, yeah, hopefully it should, it should give people a handle to, to get started and, and set some functions up. Toby, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. My thanks to Toby. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future and on TikTok, where you can find us by searching for Recruiting Future Pod. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to receive the new monthly podcast newsletter and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.